Welcome everybody online. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'll tell you what we're talking about today. Last week, some of us heard the message that I formulated called proper relationship placement, PRP. I've preached on it about four times now. And here's what I've realized. When I was uh, new at all this, I would think that I would tackle a topic and then that's done. <laughs> like, but then I realized that we're human beings and we're beings of process where we can learn something and then forget it a few weeks later and go, okay, now I go to, we gotta revisit that. So today I'm gonna talk about something I have only sp- spoken of once, but I got a lot of reaction and a lot of good fruit from the message. Uh, hearing this type of message from the pulpit apparently was very helpful. So I'm gonna revisit the idea. You've not, I'm not revisiting the entire sermon, I'm revisiting the idea. And so again, last week we talked about this. One major thing that we've seen, we're commanded to love. We'll look at that in a second. But we, our major point last week was this. We choose what roles people have in our lives. And often if there's struggle or strife in your relationships, I'm telling you, it's because maybe the wrong person's in the wrong role. That's what I've talked about before. And we have to go to God and prayerfully seek what, which roles are right for which people in your life. If you're going to someone for affirmation who doesn't have the ability to put forth words of kindness and love to you, you're going to get frustrated with them. And eventually you're going to get bitter and you're going to believe that they're wrong for being the way they are. But my question is this, who told you that that's the person you get your affirmation from? Do you understand? And I know it gets weird because you're like, well, men, women, marriage, who told you that? I have three or four really good friends who love to talk deep spiritual things with me. And they're, they're amazing men that I get to walk with side by side. And for a few years, I was always like, well, it's got to be this person here. And all these other people are there like ready to fulfill that need. But I put the wrong person in the place. And when I did that, the problem is when we're talking about loving people, then I got down on that person. You're not the way you're supposed to be. And God was like, no, he's exactly, she's exactly the way they're supposed to be. You're putting expectations upon them. They can't fulfill and you're telling them they're wrong. Try talking to a little kid about why there's mosquitoes. No, this is can be profound. Daddy, why? And other people be like, man, you had your chance at the ark, God. Why'd you let the skaters in there, right? And then you see little Robin go, well, with a wing. I quite enjoy the presence of mosquitoes, in fact. What's negative to you has a purpose for something else. Does that make sense? If you remove this mosquitoes from our ecosystem, you take a lot of other animals with it. Do you know that? That rely on mosquitoes. We don't like that. How about snakes? Some of y'all don't like snakes. Snakes are important. Ask a hawk if they like snakes. They love snakes. (laughs) Do you get what I'm saying? So if you look at someone and you go, you're not this, and you label them as wrong or bad, maybe you're going to the wrong person for the wrong stuff. That person's just fine. So maybe we adjust what role that person has. This rescued relationships in my life because this person wasn't doing what I needed them to do. Well, they're not the right person, but you have this person over here. Maybe that's okay. 39 years old, I'm getting what I need. It just wasn't where I thought it was from, was going to be. Does that make sense? That was last week's message, y'all. That's not this week's message at all. But ironically, the last time I talked about PRP, the next thing I talked about was exactly what I'm talking about today, and I did not plan it. So it just goes to show the two going hand in hand. We're going to do a Proverbs-style coaching today. 
So let's look at a couple slides. First, we'll do the one. What's the greatest commandment? I can't say this enough from up here. I can't say this enough from up here that what you do and don't do, I don't, it's not apparently the greatest commandment. Uh, we're, we're always looking at behavior. And we're checking boxes. When, when really the, the, the commandment is this, love the Lord with all you have power for. Heart, soul, and mind have told you they're synonyms. He doesn't say body. He doesn't say spirit. He says three synonyms. With everything you can control, lean it toward the Lord. That's, that's the thing. And I'm sure, guys, we could do a whole study on that. Your soul might be your creativity. Your mind might be your intellect. And what's the other one? Your heart may be your emotions. Dude, did you hear that? Write that down. We'll come back to that. That's fresh. That's new. I never heard that. <laughs> With your soul. In a, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is this. Love, your neighbor, love the people around you as you love yourself. Everything hangs on these. Next, please. We know this, but I'm, first things first here. Let us love one another for love comes from God. It's literally his byproduct. It's his fingerprint. Anyone who, anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Time out. Everyone who, who, who practices sobriety has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who abstains from words your culture has said are bad has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who attends church has been born of God. Everyone who follows the bylaws, everyone who votes this party, everyone who... Knock it off. That's not the mark of God in your life or your kids' lives. You're looking maybe sometimes for the wrong things for the evidence of God in your lives. That was for a couple people in that room today. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. It doesn't... Oh, man. I'm just saying this. Sometimes we look at... I got saved and I had the same desires the next day. And I spent the next 10 years working on my relationship with women, let's say, my addictions and all that. My desires did not change. My love did. And I mean that. It might have been as simple as this. I was about to, you know, not forgive and the inclining to forgive started inside of me when it wouldn't have before. Something like that. Does that make sense? So the cigarettes were still there, man. And they were there for 15 more years. But that's not what he's saying is the mark of God on your life. The mark of God in your life, your kids' lives, and the people who call themselves followers of Jesus is this. If you love, you've been born new with love inside of you. And you know God. Because if you don't love, I don't care what you do and don't do, but if you don't love, then you don't know God because that's who he is. That's all that matters. It's all, that's, that's it. That is it. Next one. This is so major. This is how God showed love to us. He did something. Love has legs. Love thinks and feels and moves and breathes and does stuff. It doesn't just talk. Love does this. Love that. And sacrifice. Into the world that we might live through him. And by living through him, we love. And so today, I'm going to give you Proverbs-style teaching really quick. Not really quick. I'm not going to rush because it's a good message. (laughs) I'm telling you. Um, About how to do this. Because if love is so important to God, then shouldn't we be kind of working at loving better? Don't you think? So, isn't that strange? Sometimes. I read books. I mean, I, I read books about this kind of stuff. But before that, let's say, I would always read books and put effort toward... I, I Well, this just this week, I was researching stuff about chainsawing and things like that because that's what I'm doing. It's almost hunting season, so it's time for marksmanship training. It's time for to just get a little bit better at that. What do we learn about in our lives? What do we learn about in our lives? That which we want to improve, that which we want to be better at, that which we want to know. 
But I don't. I can't tell you the last time I thought to myself, you know, I'm not loving maybe as the way I want to. Let me go find an answer for that. Does that make sense? And there's no con- condemnation. I'm saying I think God is speaking to his church now to say this. I've commanded you to love. Let me give you help to do so. And today we're going to do this very, very simply. Very simply. I want to show you something that explores how to love like we're commanded to. I've said before, this is for somebody and then I'm going to leave it. Sometimes loving people means you love them from over there. You're over there, I'm over here, and I'm going to love you from afar. And you know what? That's okay. Sometimes that's okay. That's for somebody. And this may not be popular or taught very often in church, but usually we say this. We say, stick to loving everybody, be a doormat, let them smack your cheeks around. Um, but uh, I'm, that's not what we're going to talk about today. So instead, you know what we're going to do? We're going to talk about boundaries today. We're going to talk about setting boundaries in your life in the name of loving better. Sounds counterintuitive, but it is absolutely not. And I promise you, take this in. This is going to be good. The concept of boundaries is actually rooted in the nature of God himself. Sue Boland talks about this. She says this, God defines himself as distinct. He's separate. He's responsible for himself. He takes responsibility for himself and his own personality. He tells us what he thinks, feels, plans, what he allows, what he doesn't allow, and what he likes and doesn't like, doesn't he? He says this, do this and be blessed. Do this, harm will come to you. So God is a God of boundaries. Absolutely, he, he, does, he does this. He defines himself as separate from his creation. He says this, I am who I am. There's nobody else. I'm love. I'm not darkness. And he limits what he'll allow in his, in his yard, in his house. He confronts the things that are destroying us that we call sin, that he calls sin. And he allows consequences for certain behavior. He guards his house. He doesn't allow evil things to go on there. He invites people in who love him, and he lets his love flow, right? God is the original boundary setter. All that to say what, I might, what I'm about to say, I'm giving you all this preamble to cover my bases because some of it might sound not harsh, but counterintuitive. But in the name of loving and following God's standard, I'm now going to give you the message. So we're going to start here. Can we all agree that God wants us to show value to what he values? Can we all agree with that? Can we all agree that he values you? So therefore, vicariously, A plus B, I believe God wants you to show value to you. And one of the ways we do that in this world, it's not actually very super spiritual, is this, by putting up boundaries. Do you know you can't touch Stonehenge anymore? You can't even get near Stonehenge anymore. Anybody have any idea? What is it, 100 feet at least? You can't touch the Mona Lisa, can you? I don't even think you can photograph the Mona Lisa anymore, can you? I don't think you can. Let's think of some other things that you put up boundaries for. Can anybody think of anything else? Plymouth Rock. It got worn down. Oh, took pieces of it. Uh, we just heard Plymouth Rock has a boundary over it. Do you know why you put boundaries around something? It's not just to keep people out. That's one byproduct. But a boundary around something shows that item value. Right? You put boundaries around something you value, that you consider valuable, and you want to protect and take care of and show value to. It's not just necessarily about keep that behavior out. It's about valuing that that thing. So I'm telling you today, as we do the rest of this message, hear me, please. All of us... I, I, in the name of loving and following God's example, I believe that we should examine the boundaries we have in the relationships in our life because that's the way we're able to show value to ourselves. 
In other words, if you decide you're no longer going to be called names, berated, treated as anything less than a son or daughter of God or anything like that, it's not about keeping that person out or even the behavior. It's about valuing you. Does that make sense? So some of us thought, well, I don't want to ostracize that person. I don't want to, as we're starting to get into this thinking, but it's this. It's not about you and what you're saying and what you're doing. I'm not about pushing you away. I'm about valuing me. That's what that is. It's showing love to me. It's not showing less love to you. So in the past, a person, you may have shown little value for yourself and therefore so did the kids, your spouse, your parents, whatever. And what we need to own today is this, and I've realized this in my own life. We laid the track, the foundation for that. You get what I'm trying to say? I'll tell you right now. One of the things I'm working for, as you know, I've shared everything with you as I often do, is I'm learning to care about myself. I'm learning to care if I hurt, if I'm burnt out. Remember we talked about this? Well, guess what? I'm in a position in my life where um, the people, my immediate people, don't really know how to care for me because I've made that environment. In other words, daddy's never sick. And even if he is a little bit, he still goes and gets wood. And so nobody knows how to care for daddy when he's not doing so good because daddy doesn't go down. You get it? But I look around and go, why don't you guys care for me? You don't do a good job caring for me. And they're like, you never showed us how to do that. You never cared for you. Therefore, we never learned how to care for you. Does that make sense? Well, it's the same thing with not setting boundaries. If we're, if we're people who just deal with things all the time over and over and over again and don't set boundaries and you wonder why people are habitually stepping past, you laid that down. You showed little value for you and other people just fell in line. Does that make sense? And that's just a rule of nature, man. You could call it sowing and reaping, Bruce. You could do that. You could call it the law of attraction. You could call it all these different things. But the reality is boundaries show value. I told you a while back, here's a real one at work. I told this story a couple years ago. I'll tell it again. I like this story. So years ago, I worked at HSBC banking, which they're done, right? Because think about right now, what would be happening if, if they, right, with the whole Hong Kong thing, right? Um, you know what I'm saying. But anyway, so I worked there. Uh, I, I lived like, what'd you say, two minutes away, 0.5 miles, and it was downhill to work. It was awesome, an awesome setup. But I told you before, there was this couple months where these Jehovah Witnesses were stalking me. I had been nice to them, and you give them an inch, you know? Well, one of the things I think I figured out was they, because I was nice and would talk, they started bringing the younger ones around to train them. So I'd have the older dude there, and the younger one rattling off her. And they don't talk to you, they just talk at you. They're ready to, blah, 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 blah. And I think one of the things they loved about me was I looked the way I do. <laughs> so I looked like a college kid. I'm way more college kid than redneck back then. That was like a decade ago. <laughs> I still owned a collared shirt or something. But anyway, but, but, I, but I knew the Bible. So long story short, they're there. I'm trying to go to work. It's like 9.57, highly responsible. I got to be there at 10. And, and they're in the way. And so I was like, ah, I got torn because I don't want to be mean to them, right? You want to love them like Jesus does, but get out of the way or I'll back over you with my Jeep. You know what I'm saying? I got to go to work, man. Hello. I don't, and I don't like being late. It shows the people that you're going to that you don't value their time. But anyway, so I end up getting late to work and my little four foot 10 manager, her name was Yolanda. She was a Latina from the Bronx. I really loved her. She was cool and she, she knew the Lord. So we had that connection, but she was a spitfire as you can imagine. So I walk in and she's like, <laughs> why are you late? I was like, oh, you're not going to believe me. She's like, into my office now. 
So we go into the office, and it comes in. The, you remember those little glass things where you felt like a guinea pig or a hamster? Do you know how awkward that was? I'm sitting on my computer, and like I see the whole lobby just staring at me. You're like, do I have a booger in my nose? Like, couldn't it be a real wall? <laughs> like we didn't. Anyway, that was annoying. But so we go in, we sit down, or we go in, I sit down, and I mean full sit down. And she kind of stands here, leans against the desk. <clears throat> so I'm here, and she's there. And she's, why are you late? And I said, man, you ain't gonna believe me. She's like, well, fine, no, tell me. I said, well, Jehovah's Witnesses, and I'm supposed to love them like Jesus does, and I couldn't get through all those. I told her the whole story. And I get done, and she's like, yeah, but still, you're supposed to be an example. You're not gonna be, you're not supposed to be late. And all I could think of was this. My heart starts racing. And I could feel the blood going up into my head. And I could feel my veins starting to pop a little bit. She's over top of me berating me. And I mean, she's a nice person and we loved each other. Don't get me wrong. But I just couldn't deal with that situation. So I said, hold on. You either need to sit or I need to stand. And she goes, what? I said, you need to sit or I need to stand. I'm freaking out here, man. <laughs> like this, this is too much. And she's like, oh. She kind of read, <laughs> poked the bear a little bit. So she sits down. We're good. I was like, write me up, whatever. But you standing over me, I got to show me more value than this. You don't get to do that. You're the manager. I submit to your authority, but no. Does that make sense? And she was like, okay. I showed value to myself, didn't I? I'm not mad at you. It's not about you. It's I, you don't get to do that to me because I, I'm, I'm more valuable than that. And I'll tell you what, she received the memo. Yeah, she received the memo. Without me freaking out, yelling at her or devaluing her, all I did was value me. I want to show you something. I want to show you something Bruce Lee taught. You hear about Bruce Lee in church much? <laughs> okay. Without touching it, this is what I've done, people. I've just drawn a line on that. Just a line. You see it? No? You can't see the line. Okay. I've drawn a line on a page. Now we see it? If I'm not allowed to touch that with an eraser, if I'm not allowed to touch it the line at all, how can I make this line appear smaller? Draw a bigger line next to it. In other words, you don't need to cut people down to make yourself look bigger. Show yourself more value and you will be bigger. Does that make sense? My buddy Pete and I, when we were single, we uh, <laughs> just wish you knew how many stories started that way in my life. So my buddy Pete and I, we understood that because here's what men do. Single people, women too, but you way worse. Men, one thing men do is they compete in front of women, don't they? Hey, butthead, and you cut each other down. No, we never did that. We always said this. I'm going to show my, I'm going to show these women that I'm more valuable by just not cutting this person down by being the bigger line. Does that make sense? Be the bigger line. And Pete and I were really complimentary toward each other. One of the ways you can be a stronger, bigger man and woman is this. Be more complimentary. Be more complimentary. That makes your line bigger. Insecurity makes it smaller. Does that make, make sense? So that's what we're talking about with boundaries. Yolanda always respected my boundaries after that. And you know what? When she left, only one person got a promotion. Me. I stood up to her. I stood up for myself. And she respected that. I'm, I'm saying that in the name of love today, we got to do the same thing. Let's kick in the second gear here. Okay, this is a good one. All right. In the pursuit of love, it's very difficult to love as we're supposed to when we allow people to push past where we're comfortable. But even worse, here's the weird thing. Sometimes in life, when it comes to boundaries, sometimes in life, 
we're upset at people for, for pushing past our boundaries that we have set, okay? But we actually never set a boundary to them. In other words, there are people in my life who I get upset that they're pushing past my boundaries making me uncomfortable, but I never made them aware of the boundary. Does that make sense? So then I, I'm not loving them anymore, but I never told them that that behavior is past my boundary, right? We're not here to condemn. We're here to love better and act like God acts. And here's the reality. Sometimes we're upset at someone for being habitual blind steppers, boundary pushers, but we never established the boundary. So you know what? Let's do Matthew real quick, real quick. Let's, let's look at this. Jesus dealt with boundary steppers too. Oh, oh, this is totally not what I wanted. How about this? Jesus dealt with boundary steppers. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. My life is going to be laid up. What does Peter say? No, it's not. No, 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 no. No, it's not, Jesus. Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. You're stepping past a boundary if you think you have the right to tell me what I'm going to do with my time and my destiny before Father God. You don't get to speak into that area, doesn't he, Bruce? And he definitively says, not you, brother, not you. That's past the boundary, Peter. Jesus shows us that boundaries show value. How, what do we do when people, okay, so let's say we set boundaries. We start to show ourselves value. We need to see this. What do we do if someone habitually steps through that boundary? Jesus has given you a prescription, right, Bruce? Don't go to the world. He says this, if your brother sins against you by pushing past the boundaries, making you uncomfortable, treating you as less than a son or daughter of God, think of this person in your mind, go and show him where he's wrong. Establish the boundary. Does that make sense? Just between the two of you, don't take to social media. Don't, don't call up the church board. One-to-one, if he listens to you, you've won your brother over because guess what? It's about love. But if he won't listen, there's other things you can do. Take a couple other people. Then the next part is, I don't think we need it. Take, take more people, take more people. Take, and at the end of it all, if this person still wants to step past your boundaries, cut them out of your life. Matter of fact, do you do, can you do the next one? You can figure that out, right? Just boom, boom. Because you want, I need you to see it because you're not gonna believe me. So do the one person, couple people, establish it in two or three witnesses. And then Matthew 18, 17 will tell us, sorry, Brad, I didn't have it prepared. You just got to double check it up because I want you to see this. If you refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If you refuse to listen, even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or tax collector. Cut him out. Cut him out. I didn't say it, guys. Look at the look at the thing. You give people this opportunity to show you value as they're supposed to, and if they don't, there is a time maybe to close the door. And I've been quoted saying this, you can close the door, but I think God forbids us from locking the door. That's what separates us from as believers. Does that make sense? Some of us were told to stay in abusive situations because of what? What? I don't see anywhere where God is saying stay in an abusive situation where you're in danger, where you're being run. I don't see that because what I see is a loving father who protects the oppressed widows and orphans. Do you understand that? Let me tell you something. I got a four-year-old. Her name is Izzy. If Isabella married married some guy and he was beating the snot out of her, number one, I'm doing jail time. But number two, oh, that's just a fact. I'm not smiling. (laughs) I'm doing jail time. And number two, I would not say to her, well, honey, you, you stay while he beats you up. 
Or vice versa. Let's say Alex gets married because there's domestic violence from women too. It just looks different. And he gets torn down day after day after day and belittled day after day after day. And his relationship with the children are being manipulated. And if he says to me, Dad, I can't take anymore. I've done everything I can do. Blah, blah, blah. What do you think I'm going to do as a loving dad? No, you made your bed, brother. What do you think I'm going to do that? I don't see God doing that at all either. Do you understand? And you can write me about that. We can have a discussion. I see God as a deliverer, a breaker of chains, who's looking for renewal. I don't want to go off on that. But some people walked away. That's the reality of that. There's one other thing I wanted to say about this. Time out. If ever you have a problem with me, this church, or wherever you are, here is your formula that Jesus is commanding you to. If we go back a slide, he'll say this. He doesn't say, would you please? He doesn't say, here's an option. He says, here is your protocol. Does that make sense? If, if your brother sins against you, one option is to go and show him his... If your brother sins against you, here's an idea, maybe please. No, if you've been sinned against... This is your next step. Do you understand that? And if you step outside of that boundary, you wonder why all hell breaks loose. You wonder why some people in here have been through crazy church splits. Question. No. Ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the old Johnny Carson thing, right? I'm going to pretend I'm psychic. Uh, um, where that church split was, um, I don't do a good Carson. <laughs> but that person did not do this. I guarantee it. Think back. Go ahead. I'll give you a minute. The offended party at that church that blew up before did not follow this. Can we nod or shake my head? If I'm wrong, oh, but, oh, oh, wow, unanimous. I must be psychic. I must be a psychic. No, because if they had followed this, God's blessing follows that. Do you understand that? I've had a few people in my office say, hey, AJ, this, this, and this. Reconciliation is an option. If you bounce out of this, division will come. Division will come. And the devil loves to provide the amplification for division. Meanwhile, one-on-one, God can come in and love can be shown. Okay, so move on. This is your protocol. You've heard it said. Real quick. Good pastor, I know. Successful church, meaning that God was moving in there. Someone had a problem with him. All of a sudden, next thing you know, his board calls him up and bam. And I stopped the conversation. I already knew it was wrong because the guy never came to him. So if you haven't done this this way, why should we listen to you? You already don't regard God's way of doing things. Does that make sense? Whatever you've got to say about this guy, you've disqualified yourself in my opinion because you disregarded what Jesus says. If he doesn't know you're offended with him, you didn't try it first there, we shouldn't listen to you. Well, anyway. All right, that's, that's on the corporate, but I got I to gotta do that once in a while as the leader of this place. I got to make sure I set some uh, boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Um, okay, let me move forward. Let me let me close this down here. How do we set a boundary? I told you a story a long time ago about a husband and wife um, while they were dating. She used to love to storm off. She said she loved a good storm off. She said, oh, it was so satisfying. You slam that door. You get in the car. You squeal away, right? Oh, I just felt so vindicated. Well, a couple weeks into dating or courtship or whatever it was, uh, that happened. She comes back to the house or wherever they were, and the guy says, hey, listen, uh, I'm sorry, you know, the way things went, but I need you to know this. I, I can't be with someone who's just going to give up when we're, when we're in it, you know, who runs away or walks away. I can't do that. I, I love me more than that. Like, I just can't. So there's my boundary. 
you know, I mean, you, you just got to stay. If you're not going to be the person who stays, I, I can't do that. And she was like, Ooh, okay. He's like, you can shut down. If you're done, be done, but don't leave. And you know that that really set the tone for their marriage. And it really sort of, she was impressed by that. She was really drawn to that, that the man respected and loved himself enough and said, you got to show me that respect. Do you know that that's endearing, people? It is endearing. Let me keep going. Here's a couple of boundaries real quick, real quick. Everybody listening online. And it's crazy because I'm very well aware of the fact that this sort of message I know can help people fast, but I also know it's going to be online forever. So I don't want to rush. Here's some boundaries today you can set up. And I mean this. Number one, no yelling in the house. You can yell like, supper, dinner time. But there, I don't believe there's really any reason to ever yell at someone you value. And I don't believe it's showing that person value, showing yourself value. If you get to the point where you're, right? It changes things. It'll actually help you believe a lie that your spouse is the enemy. When your spouse is never the enemy, the spouse is your actually best ally. So here's what you do. Here's what you do. I don't care if you're 55, 65 years old. You say this. Hey, what do you say? No more yelling in the house? Okay, no more yelling in the house. Boom, boundaries out. No name calling. You don't get to label anything you didn't create. It's a real good one with your kids. I try real hard at that. I can say you're being foolish, but I have decided inside of myself I don't get to call her a fool. What did I say? I almost said you're selfish yesterday. Yesterday. You're be- I said, Izzy, you're so... <clears throat> You're behaving so selfishly right now, right? Because I can't stick labels on her. What good is calling people names going to do? The person you love, really. What name can you call them? Call them honey, call them nice things, build them up, beautiful. But just set a boundary where we don't call each other names. It's easy. It's, e- it's funny. You'll be surprised how quickly this will actually change and, and, and you'll actually enjoy it. Um, no bringing up the past if you've, allowed your, if you've chosen to forgive. I'm not looking at you guys in particular. Garth Brooks had a song that said, we bury the hatchet, believe the handle's sticking out. <laughs> I see country music. <laughs> Just, hey, let's say we're going at it, she and I, and we've chosen to forgive each other for things. Guys, where there's lack of forgiveness, that breeds contempt. Where there's contempt, there can't be any intimacy. So, what you do is this. No name calling, no yelling, no bringing up things we've agreed to forgive, and I mean that. So it doesn't get to be weaponized. If that happens, this is what I would do. (laughs) I'm dramatic and a bit of a weirdo. Let's say we agreed on that. And she, let's say, did that. I would be like, whoa, out of bounds. Flag on the play. No, done. We can't continue this. Right? Tweet. Whoa, you brought that up. We agreed not to bring that up ever again. (laughs) You automatically lose disqualification. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I win the argument. No, seriously, right? There needs to be, if you bring that up, it changes things. You don't get to just do that anymore. Like you said you wouldn't. Kids need boundaries. They need follow through. Psychology 101. But anyway, let me keep going here. All right. Okay, here we go. If you have established a boundary, moving on, part three. If you have established a boundary, so let's say this. I've established a boundary. What if they willingly, willingly, willfully, unrepentantly stomp on your boundary and don't care? then it's our job to enforce the, enforce the boundary with repercussions. Here's what I mean. If Yolanda had come back to me, stood over me and berated me again, I would know we're beyond this verbal warning thing. I would have gone to HR. And I would have said, she got in my face. I warned her. Boom, boom, repercussion. 
If it's a non-work thing, you know what you do? You know what your repercussion is? Listen, the removal of you. This is good, guys. The way you enforce your boundary is this. If you tell someone, you don't talk to me that way. You're, you're, you're yelling at me. You're name calling me. You're, no, you don't do that. And if they do it, you remove yourself. Listen, I've told you, we're not doing this anymore. And if you can't stop right now, I'm, I'm, I'm ending this conversation. Or you can take that crap because you're someone who just deserves taking crap. Come on, guys. You hear me? Showing value is this. You choose not to get in line with the value and boundary. I, want to sp- I don't care if you're 67 years old and you're going to start doing this. Show yourself value. And the way you do this with the, with the repercussion is the removal of yourself. You can shut the door, just don't lock it. Like, where do we have this idea we're supposed to be doormats? I don't believe we are. I don't believe we are at all. Okay, let me keep going on here. Ah, sorry. We want to be in relationship, and this, I, I truly believe this is okay. We want to aim to be in relationships only with people who value our lives and their own. We're free to not be in relationship with someone who does not recognize the value of your life. I'm not saying they're going to need to love you perfectly. You know in your heart what I'm talking about right now. When it's constant wounding, right? Okay, moving on. I don't want to belittle this. Belittle this. Oh, uh, let's say this too. Bitterness often comes from when we have yet to set boundaries. Here's what I mean. If all men are pigs... If church is full of hypocrites and liars and I don't like going to church, do you know where those thoughts come from? That bitterness usually comes from this. Habitual pain that continued when we didn't set boundaries. And when we don't set boundaries, it breeds, as I said before, it kind of breeds contempt and bitterness. So you got a bunch of people who think church is full of hypocrites, liars, I don't need to go to church, blah, blah, blah. Time out. You didn't set a boundary of behavior and beat people in that church building beat the crap out of you enough to breed bitterness. Does that make sense? Or if you set the boundary, you didn't enforce it. If anybody in here, if someone else, someone hurts, abuses, or steps over your boundary, you, you have your prescription. You go to them, but then you come to me. You come to me, and we sort this out. Where if I need to talk to that person, fine. But if you let it go time and time and time again, you know what's going to happen? Your chair's just going to be empty, and you're not going to come back again, Right? And so now you're outside of the loving embrace from your, the, the bride of Christ, the body of believers. Does that make sense? But if you look at it, and I'm not coming at you, did you set boundaries and enforce them? No, I think that bitterness came from when we didn't do that. All right, come on, come on, come on, move on. Okay, one more thing, one more thing. So if, if, if someone holds us down, judges us, abuses us, or anything like that, in a churchy way or even in a corporate way, you have three choices. One, put your head down and deal with it. This is good for school kids too, by the way. Number one, put your head down and deal with it. You know, just deal with it. Take it in, whatever. Tell, tell everyone you know what happened. I mean, whatever. Complain about it. Number two, you can run away. And as I said before, lots of folks in church do that. They just never come back. And that's not setting a boundary. That's like moving your family instead of just building a fence around your yard. Isn't it? Not, okay. Somebody wounds you in this, in this body of believers. And you just leave? It's like moving instead of putting a fence around your yard, instead of establishing boundaries. A couple years ago, okay, so we had, I told you, this was years of, this neighbor kept driving on my lawn. Does anybody remember talking about this? 
just because my driveway's near yours. But what would you say, babe? Like a 20, 20 foot swath of grass they drive across? And I'm not a passive person. I wanted to go talk to him about it. And I did a couple times. Well, then a new boyfriend would come in or whatever. I'm just telling you the truth. They kept driving on my grass. And finally, I was to the point where I was like, we just got to build a fence. In order to love them and still, right? I didn't move, did I? The neighbors are driving on my lawn. That's it, kids. Back up. We're going to buy a new house. <laughs> right? You build the fence instead. And another three, you set a point. So my last thought about the day is this. If we don't, if, okay. If we don't set a boundary, I'm going to go back to what, what, uh, with Peter and, and Christ Jesus. If we don't set boundaries in our life and we're not aware of them, I'm not going to sit there and say we might miss what God's doing in our life. But boundary steppers can dissuade you from doing what God would call you to do. In other words, Peter says to Jesus, not so, right? I'm going to step over the boundary. I'm going to tell you what you ought to be doing with your life. I'm going to speak into it, even though you know I don't have your best interest in mind. Sometimes those people can, I was going to, I'll say that. They pee in the pool. (laughs) That's my new saying. They'll pee in the pool of our direction and destiny and what we're doing on this planet. Does that make sense? So I hope I've convinced you to examine relationships this week, this week. What have we learned? In the process of loving others, setting boundaries is biblical wisdom. Setting boundaries is about valuing you as God commands, and it is a very important piece of loving people as God commands. But we are in charge of valuing ourselves and setting boundaries. It's not a passive thing. Also, only by setting boundaries and enforcing them can these relationships thrive. What are we going to do? Well, the relationship we've been thinking about all day as I've been speaking, we're going to lift it to God in prayer even right now, and ask him to clearly show us what boundaries he would have us to put in place because this is all in the name of loving people better. Make sense? Good, let's pray. People online too. Heavenly Father, thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that you've, you've given us practical teaching today to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To support the command for loving other people. We understand that if we don't love, then we're not showing you. We want to love, Lord God. We are born of, of, of God and, and born of love. So, Father, today we, we receive this, this talk about boundaries. We receive your example. Help us practically, Lord. Give us one-to-one individual wisdom, Lord God, for how, well, who needs the boundaries for, for better love and, and, and how to do that, Lord God. And give us the strength and courage to do that, Father, in the name of valuing ourselves and following your example. Show us, Lord God. Guide us and lead us. Um, We want to love better. We do, Father. We thank you, Lord God. Well, thank you for joining us online. Right now, we are going to sing a song called Only You and uh, reaffirm our dedication and, and love to the Lord.
Jesus' name. 